prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Kristen Milioti from Palm Springs and Made for Love to her comfort movie, Kill Bill. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. New guest on the pod this week, one of my favorite actors I've discovered in recent years, Kristen Milioti. Always turning in unexpected, diverse, unusual performances in a wide array of television and film projects. And if you just look at her recent work in the last year, Palm Springs, one of my very favorite movies of 2020, currently on Hulu. Her and Andy Samberg just killed it in that. Um, And now she's starring in her own HBO Max series uh, opposite Billy Magnuson and Ray Romano, a very um, darkly humorous, disturbing, funny um, uh, project called Made for Love in which uh, she and Billy are kind of caught in this really toxic, horrible relationship. Billy is not a good dude, to say the least, and it has this little bit of a Black Mirror-ish, actually, um, uh, premise behind it. Uh, ironic in that one of her most notable roles in recent years was on that fantastic episode of Black Mirror, the USS Callister, um, with Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons, who she'd also appeared in with uh, in Fargo. It's basically all six degrees of Kristen Milioti game we're all playing in. Um, but no, Kristen is an actor that um, I've talked to a little bit before, but certainly never at this length. The last time I chatted with her, as with many folks on the podcast, I feel like it's a recurring thing, a theme. I have like these guests that I haven't seen or talked to since Sundance of 2020, a little bit over a year ago. And certainly that's the case for Kristen. And it was such a happy, bizarre memory. Um, I'll describe it in brief here because it is really funny, a funny story. I was interviewing Kristen and Andy Samberg about Palm Springs uh, alongside my, my buddy uh, Ben Lyons. We did a uh, kind of a special limited edition uh, series, a podcast series called The Festival Rules. Um, and you can, by the way, download that just just for the sake of understanding the story and experiencing the story. You can download this episode, the Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti episode. Um, anyway, we're talking to them in this beautiful uh, uh, space hosted by the NRDC. Um, I asked Andy something to the effect of what, you know, who are you most excited? Who would you be lose your mind to, to run into uh, here at Sundance? Because you always run into random sorts of people. He says, uh, Robert Redford. And I say, well, actually, Robert Redford, a huge benefactor of NRDC, is scheduled to walk into this room in about five or ten minutes. Um, this is all caught on on tape, as it were, on the podcast. And sure enough, Robert Redford walked in in the middle of this conversation. Uh, it, it was just like one of those like perfect moments <laughs> that you cannot script. And um, to hear Andy kind of lose his shit um, at Robert Redford walking in just as he's talking about losing his shit about the idea of meeting Robert Redford is, is just one of my favorite memories of an otherwise uh, horrible 2020. <laughs> um, but it was a cool, it's also a cool memory because it's it's the day that I first kind of learned about Palm Springs, um, which again was one of my favorite movies of 2020. And if you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend it. It is um, 
just a delightful, very funny movie, but also a very thoughtful movie and, and kind of deep in, in many ways. Um, by now you probably know the twists, but if you haven't, if you've avoided it for a year, uh, you've come this far, I won't, uh, I won't, you know, ruin it for you now, but check it out on Hulu. There's also, by the way, as I mentioned in this podcast, Hulu was wise enough to put together a additional commentary track with Andy and Kristen that is fantastic. Um, and I miss commentary tracks. Back in the days when I used to collect DVDs, I would just listen to so many of those. So um, I wish more streaming services would do those. Um, I would just devour them. Anyway, um, as I said, Kristen uh, has just been killing it in all these uh, different sorts of projects. Uh, a delight to talk to her about uh, her entire career as well as her comfort movie. She picked a great one. She's a huge fan of Kill Bill, most notably Uma Thurman's performance as the bride. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a good conversation about that iconic performance in Kill Bill, I guess technically Kill Bill Volume 1 and Volume 2. They're two different movies. They were filmed as one. That's a whole nother podcast. We can debate that another time. Anyway, uh, a great chat. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, other things to mention, I think I mentioned it last week, but by now you guys have probably watched Godzilla vs. Kong, so why not check out my conversation with Millie Bobby Brown? I had a, a chat, great chat with her for MTV News. Uh, a lot of people have been checking that out. Really proud of that one. Um, you know, she's uh, it's such an unusual circumstance. She's 17 years old and has been, like, one of the most famous human beings on the planet the last, like, five years. And... Uh, Seems to be wearing, wearing it pretty well. I always enjoy chatting with Millie. She's got a good sense of humor, a good perspective, um, and I expect great things from her in the future. She's got a lot of cool stuff coming up. So check that out. I, I put it up on my Twitter and, and, and Instagram, Joshua Horowitz, but you can always go to MTV News' YouTube page to check out uh, my interviews for them. Um, I'll leave it there except to say, oh, well, I mean, I guess on, on, pers on the personal front, and I, 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 I put this out on my social media, I was lucky enough to get my second shot, my my uh, my Moderna Volume Two. Um, so I feel the Moderna coursing through my veins. I'm on my way to, um, you know, relative immunity. Um, and I hope you guys are getting the opportunity to get vaccinated. If you're not, I I, I sympathize. I you know, it's 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 a struggle in some states. Certainly, a big struggle in, in many countries around the world. Um, if you have the opportunity, please get vaccinated. This is for yourself and for the collective good of the planet. <laughs> You're doing not only yourself a service, but we're all trying to, you know, get back to normalcy, get to that herd immunity. And, um, you know, I don't know if you can feel it where you are, but certainly in the States, in New York, um, things are coming back slowly but surely. Um, you know, there's some some live theater even starting to be contemplated here in New York again. Movie theaters are open. I'm already starting to think about my return to the cinema after a year away. So um, these are all exciting things. Uh, scary things, too, because I haven't seen another human being outside of my family virtually in over a year. But uh, I guess I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. I'll see if I, I still know how to speak human sentences to somebody in person besides my loved ones. Um, Anyway, uh, these are good good problems to have. Um, all right, on to the main event. Uh, remember to review, rate, and subscribe to Happy, Sad, Confused. Uh, always appreciate you putting in the good word and spreading the good word of this podcast to others. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy this chat with um, one of our most interesting and talented actors working today. She's, uh, she's going places, this one. Ms. Kristen Milliati. I'm not 
a 75-year-old old-timey agent. It's just how I sound when I'm introducing the podcast. Here's me and Kristen. Oh my gosh, it's Kristen Milioti on my Zoom screen, on my on the little box on my computer. Hi, Kristen. Hi. Thanks how for doing... You? I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. Um, uh, congratulations on the new show. We're going to cover a lot Made for Love on HBO Max, but I, I do want to start with one of the few highlights of 2020 for me, which is, I feel like it was a turning point, at least for me, was when uh, you, me, and Andy Samberg saw Robert Redford. I, I was thinking about that before, as I was like setting up this Zoom rig that I have to set up every time I Zoom. It's like a bunch of boxes stacked on a chair. And I was like, wow, right. That was right before, that was, you know, and, and, I, and we've been asked this a lot in interviews too, because that was, not only like the last big film festival before the shutdown, but it was also the last time that I was like at a house party or like just in a space with hundreds of people. Yeah, um, all the silly fun things we used to do. All the silly fun things and like us doing that podcast in the lobby of that building, weirdly. And I know I think about it very fondly and, and mostly because of Andy's freak out over Robert Redford. Oh my God, I think they tore a, a you know, the space-time continuum apart clearly and that's what, what COVID came out of was just yeah. Andy Samberg's exactly. poop escaping his body as he saw yeah. Robert Redford. Yeah, he was so nervous that it created a vortex and it, you know, <laughs> it threw everything into disarray. So I'm glad he had a good moment but sad for all of us. Um, but yeah. um, I'm glad that we at least have that memory because that was, uh, you know, I, I've been doing Sundance for many years and that was definitely a highlight not only that conversation but, um, but Palm Springs which I'm, I'm glad we're still we're still talking about a year later. Amazing. I can't believe it. I know. It's amazing. And it, and it really is like, you know, when we were doing uh, some press for that around um, like, you know, ugh, like awards stuff, yeah. Yeah. people would ask, um, sometimes they'd be like, don't, are you, are you so tired of talking about it? And I really uh, never tired of talking about it because I can't believe that it is still being talked about. It's such a pleasure to talk about something that's very rare. <laughs> well, it's also gonna. I mean, go on that long. And as I'm sure you've talked with others about, I, I I do have the sense that we're only a year past. You know, if the first people seeing it, but it feels like that that kind of film that because it works on so many levels, because it is funny and as hard and all that kind of you know like all the cliches, but it also is really deep. Yeah. It's gonna be that like film that's there's gonna be like a college course about, or there's gonna be late night dorm um, debates about. Like it, this, yeah. is gonna, this is gonna live on for a while. So that's gotta feel pretty special. It does feel very special. Even, you know, and, and I feel like when we did press for that film, it was, in the, it was in like the wild west of Zoom. Like no one, like they were like, do you know this thing called Zoom? Gotta download Zoom. Like it was, it was early days of the pandemic. And yeah. um, it, even then, you know, I, I've done enough, in my life that like I was I was blown away that um, I would I would be interviewed by people who had uh, of their own volition watched it like five times before we spoke which I've never experienced and I know that's not necessary yeah. <laughs> and they would and it happened it kept happening time and time again someone would say oh you know I watched it to interview you for this thing and then uh, I, I wanted to watch it again because I wanted to look for Easter eggs and then I invited uh, my friend over and we watched it a third time and then we had we just wanted to check it one more time and it was I've never experienced that it well, really was is wonderful and by the way I would recommend not only those second third and fourth viewings but also I I mean I grew up 
listening to commentaries all the time. And I was so thrilled when Hulu was smart enough to have you guys do that commentary. That was like two hours of just bliss for me. Oh my God, that's good. I have not seen the commentary. I mean, I, you know, um, filming it was a joy, although it was also very like weird and dystopian because a bunch of people in hazmat suits showed up to my apartment with equipment and then a voice came in over a speaker and like taught me how to like oh my God. The lighting rig and like the teleprompter and because Andy and I couldn't be, we weren't allowed to be in the same space. So we had to look at each other through a teleprompter with the, with the movie like playing through the glass. It was so weird. It was <laughs> like, what is this? And I um, am so glad it turned out well. Even though I would have loved to have done it like old school style. Yeah. I imagine like, not not even in a way that's real, like him and I like smoking a cigarette and watching it and being like, well, let me tell you about this scene. Well, you maybe do it once every few years. I mean, there's no reason not to come back to it. I hope it's the kind of movie, I hope this is okay to say, I hope it's the kind of movie like, um, I watched a screening of something at the Hollywood Cemetery once. And I like, I like, am excited. I hope that it goes there. Oh my God, it would be amazing. I think it bodes well that 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 there's so much love just just a year in. Um, and, and I, you know, we, we won't only talk about Palm Springs, but it is a special movie. I'm just curious again because the last time we saw each other was at Sundance. And the funny thing about that experience, beyond Robert Redford appearing out of thin air, was. As I recall, you were doing press for a movie literally no one knew anything about. No one, no one had seen the movie, um, which kind of made the conversations fun. We were just like shooting the shit for 20 minutes and having a random conversation. But um, I got to think like also just in terms of going to a premiere, I didn't see that at the premiere. I think I saw it the next day. Yeah. But that first screening, is that, is that just transcendent? What was that like? Transcendent. I mean, it's obviously, especially now so, but yeah. um, it was something that like when we would do press for it later, I was always, I understand why with like a trailer, you have to show what it is. It's very hard to make something, to advertise for something when you can't give away yeah. the, the thing. But in that first screening, which probably was like three or 400 people, no one knew anything about it. They thought, you could tell that for the first 10 minutes, the misdirect that the movie does where you're like, oh, you're at like a wedding comedy that everyone was right. kind of like, okay. Like they were like, no, okay, this is fine. <laughs> and then the minute, like it's around like minute 12 when um, the twist comes and he's hit with the arrow. I've never experienced, you know, uh, I like look for this a lot and it's hard in t TV and film, but I'm from, I have a background in theater. And one of the things that I like yearn for a lot, but is sort of, you can't have in the experience of TV and film is a live audience. And it was sort of the closest I got to being in a room with three or 400 strangers freaking out yeah. about something that we, you know, had made <laughs> like, like eight months earlier. And it was uh, sort of, the most magical thing you could ask for. Like I, I spent so much time watching the audience in that screening and they gasped and laughed and like clutched their chests and cried. And like at all the moments that I had felt those things when reading it and even when shooting it and that, that um, a lot of times that's lost in translation just by way of like, it's really hard to make things and yeah. you can't predict anything. And to see that preserved and to see it celebrated and to see it like so deeply felt by a room full of strangers was as, as, as just enormously gratifying. It, it's been I, fun. It, it's, I, you know, I, I've been a fan of your work for a while. I mean, I, I saw you way back when on, on once on, on Broadway and then following you through Wall Street and all the, the kind of the exciting developments through your career. And it's been fun to kind of take kind of a macro look for the, this occasion. When you look back on these kind of occasions, when you're talking to people like me, I mean, 
are is there is there is there a film uh, or TV project or or theater performance that when you look back on and say that was in retrospect where things kind of the biggest shift in my career happened? Are there a few of those? Is there one oh, that jumps out? For sure, um, I remember there's a couple, and 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 some of them were in macro ways, and some were in like business ways right there's the um, career stuff and then there's like there's as like, an actor just like yeah, like yeah. Her personal yeah um, i remember that i did this play um god a million years ago um at lincoln center called stunning and it was like my first real big role in new york and um it was this incredible play and um i played this 16 year old in this um this sort of sect of Judaism and I think in Midwood where mm -hmm. all the girls are, they dress like Kardashians, but they're married off in high school to like much older men. And it was this, it was, it was slightly autobiographical, um, this incredible playwright, David Ajme. And it was this wild show of like heightened comedy. Like everyone's talking like this, like a million miles per minute. Like the first scene was like my character at a card game with her sister and her best friend being like, oh my God, did you hear about someone's out? Like going that fast with like thick New York accents. And then it like delves into this crazy, like very disturbing, um, you know, watching this, you're watching this girl having her childhood ripped from her. And um, it was, I remember being a part of that and being like, this is what I want to do. <laughs> like this, yeah. I love this. And I remember that it was like, it was also one of the first, you know, I, I'd, I'd done a couple off-Broadway plays and, you know, to varying degrees of like, uh, I guess, feeling the audience was with you every step of the way. Like I've done off-Broadway plays where people have like flushed toilets and, you know, literally <laughs> during my monologue, <laughs> like I've done a lot of those. <laughs> and this was one where I felt like the audience was with us every step of the way. I felt like yeah. I was able to completely disappear into this role. I felt like it was like flying every night. And um, I remember that being a shift. And then shortly thereafter, I did an Evo Van Hova play. Um, and he, that was like my college basically, like that was like walking on the moon. It was nuts. And those two- Which, which production was that? I've seen a few of his. I did Little Foxes. Okay, I haven't seen that one, but I've seen, a, he, he's, he's quite a out there. I mean, people have different feelings about his, his avant-garde kind of like approaches to, to theater. What, where do you stand? Um, you know, I love the fact that he takes, he takes a stand and he yeah. takes a swing and that to me, um, whether it's your cup of tea or not. And I, and I remember in Little Foxes, like I got very familiar with the sounds of like, there were these seats that would like spring when you would stand up and we would hear people walk out because you could hear the seats go like, um, but that was like acting school for me. Um, I was, I, uh, Elizabeth Marvel and I, you know, her, she's yeah. like, I mean, just fucking legend her and yeah. I mother and daughter and in that show they you know try to kill each other and it was just the most incredible that again that felt like flying like I'd never been in any that whole the production design was like a purple velvet box we were all stuck in wow. we no props we moved like a dance ensemble I felt like I was part of a of a, a company like a theater like it was like how I imagined like oh this must be like what Worcester group feels like or mm. and I remember like those two experiences sort of inwardly made me made me sort of discover the type of stuff I wanted to be a part of and the type of work that like really, yeah, for lack of a better term, I guess makes me feel like I'm flying. Um, 
Well, then it also sets a, you know, you're chasing that drug for the rest of your life then. You're, you, 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 know what, you, you know what, like, it can be at its best. Well, and then you have the juxtaposition of, like, where art meets commerce. So, like, here I am at an Evo Van Hova show every night, um, shrieking and being thrown down a staircase by Elizabeth Marvel. And, like, you know, Radiohead is playing. And it's like this, like, <laughs> it's like, let's use every, like, witchy cell in our body. And then I'm going to audition for, like, Gossip Girl and just duffing it because I don't know how to like, I don't know how to meld the two worlds of sort right. of, you know, at night playing this like feral, you know, possessed child and then coming in and being like, having two lines to be like, did you hear about Stacy? <laughs> it's gonna be lit. Like, I like- Well, that's the fascinating thing. Cause I mean, I, even a little later perhaps, I'm not sure if I'm getting the timeline right, but like kind of when things, you know, ostensibly really started to like hit with, with once well, yeah, with Wolf of say, Wall that, Street. That was the big, that was when I was like, oh wow, this feels different. But like even that, it's kind of fascinating again from the outside looking in because you're, it's not all of one piece. They feel like you're doing How I Met Your Mother. You're, right. you've, you've got like, um, you've got once this gorgeous, you know, Broadway, big Broadway musical. You've got a Martin Scorsese film. Yeah. Like there are different, these are different paths to go yeah. down for most actors. And it's hard to have that career where you can do all of that, let alone all of that with it at the same time. I, that was a wild, first of all, I, I really appreciate that. Um, I, cause I, that year was really wild because I did feel like I was, and I still feel this way, you know, I've been really, really lucky and also have really made this a priority. I think I have a little bit of like spiritual ADD and even the things with, with like that I consume, like actually trying to figure out, you know, like the movie we're going to, like a comfort movie today. The, I'll tell you, I know what we said about, but like the choices that went oh, through. Great. <laughs> I'm sure. I, right, this is why, like. <laughs> I have trouble sometimes, like, not trouble, but like, it's, it is a, it matters to me a lot to be able to do as many different things as possible, because that's what excites me, it excites me as a consumer of things as well, and that year felt, um, or that time, or what, you know, whatever, I felt so, uh, it did feel like a little bit like going back to like where I started in New York theater, of being like, wow, I'm getting to like fly in all of these different realms and play different people and like really and like different genres and really like stretch myself and it, it was wild it was it, yeah it, did it feel like you had to make a choice at that point I mean like because there's there's an alternate world where like you've got a, a hell of a career as like a sitcom star like I, I I think of it's funny I think of that and I associate when, when I started to think about you on that show then I thought of like you probably remember this be, uh, being in that world. Greta Gerwig like almost did like the How I Met Your Mother spinoff. She did. She did the spinoff like two months later. Yeah. So so like I, I mean I, it's just fascinating to think of like that alternate reality where Greta Gerwig is like on season five of like How I Met Your right. Father and you, you've got your own CBS sitcom. It's just right. like it's a different life and it's a it's a fine life, but it's oh. did it feel like you had to kind of make that choice in terms it of what did. you were going to double down on? It did. That time? Um, you know, I had such a wonderful time on that show and everyone was so kind to me and so welcoming. And I didn't really know like how big the thing was that I was sort of like stumbling into for lack of a better term. Um, I did an, a, a sitcom right after that for NBC. And again, like the cast, I still to this day adore the creatives. I adored, um, I, I wonder if it is different now, but at the time I, I didn't feel like I was able to be the full sort of being that I felt 
coming from where I've come from in right. terms of work uh, in like a, in a network setting. I felt a lot like I was being asked to sort of just wear a tight pencil skirt and smile. And uh, I would sort of sit there and be like, and again, that's no fault of the creatives. Like it's like working for a, you're working for a giant corporation and you are even on Netflix too. Like everyone, yes. every, we're now back, by the way, like we're now back to like ABC, CBS, like it, we're just, now they're called HBO Max and Netflix and Hulu. And, yeah. and like, of course, people have a bottom line. They're working with, you know, it's like 30 Rock, right? Like it is literally NBC is like funded by GE or something. So right. like you're definitely working for these like large conglomerates. But I felt like the things that had made me feel so alive and, you know, like working with Evo, like working on Stunning, like working on Once, like working on Wolf of Wall Street, like things where I got to like really let it, go um I, that i didn't feel like that was welcomed there and right. it, um i did make a you know i think right after uh a to z i did fargo and i remember being like i've like crowned down to fargo and i was like yeah, yeah i want I miss, I miss this i want to do this i want to do this and and that's again also not to like you know some of my favorite shows are of all time are on networks like 30 rock is one of my favorite shows of all time parks and rec i think there are ways in which they can like subvert the system for lack of a better term and i don't want to put like too fine a point on it the office obviously huh. like it's it's kind of one in a million and i just felt like i wasn't the i didn't uh i didn't thrive under those conditions so, so backtracking a bit so for for once which is a huge part of your career in that like just in terms of volume you were performing that for over a year between yeah. the out-of-town stuff and and broadway right yeah um so it, I'm sure it's hard to encapsulate that kind of experience, but like, is, is there in some ways nothing better or more satisfying than like a, a successful Broadway run where like you've got the good reviews, you know the parts of the show that are gonna hit and resonate. It's kind of like clockwork in a way. You've got friends coming backstage. You got some a random celebrity coming backstage. Like, is that, am I idealizing it or is it, or is it as, as cool as it sounds? everything um because you also live like a monk i mean i did i'd never done a musical and i was so terrified of losing my voice and i felt you know i i never saw anyone and i you know like never went out and felt like i, I truly lived like a monk for like yeah. 30 months but then you know i think about like some of the most magic moments i've ever experienced were on that stage like i think of this um I could cry talking about it. Like, uh, I think it was my 27th birthday or something. There was, you know, the number gold, which was my favorite number on the show when everyone mm. started slow dancing with their instruments. And in that number, I had to, my, it's like my character is slowly falling in love with the guy and, um, and it's slowly realizing it. And it's the way that it is, that falling in love is portrayed as like everyone slowly getting up and like slow dancing with a cello, slow dancing with a guitar and like everything sort of like swirls around her. And I walked, I'm getting chills thinking about it. I miss that show so much. And I remember it was on my birthday and I walked through um, the cast as everyone was starting to rise and their backs were to the audience. And every time I would pass someone, they would mouth, I love you, happy birthday. And I was a mess, like oh a mess. That's, that's almost cruel. It's beautiful, it's but also cruel. So, <laughs> it's testing like, you. It is that type of stuff that like still to this day, it is because you're in the trenches together. Because yeah. yes, in a show, I'd never experienced a show that like everyone, you know, a, a, a show that 
was it like a commercial success at all. I mean, I'd been doing off-Broadway and getting paid like $200 a week and like, you know, my friends and family would see it and like New York theater people would see it, but certainly not tourists, not, you know. Um, and I do remember feeling like it was really magical, but I think even in retrospect, I didn't realize like quite how special that experience was yeah um and how we like what an insane ride that was because it was such a little like off-broadway jewel and we all loved each other and we all like you know went on this yeah crazy ride together so yeah it was the most magical thing you could i mean to perform a show like that in front of 1200 people and i, I thought a lot about it in the pandemic actually and been like you know because i limped out of that theater i did that show over 500 times and that show's brutal it's like really sad. <laughs> like It's so brutal, especially for her. And um, I remember like limping out of that theater being like, Ugh! like, you know, my eyes were like dust. And I have thought about it so much and been like, wow, I, I am, I am so uh, astronomically grateful that there was, that I got to perform in front of 1200 people, you know, 500 times. I can't believe it still. So in the midst of that, um... You get the Tony nomination. I think you have a you have a Grammy too for that, don't you? Yeah. That's amazing. So okay. So in the midst of that, you also get Wolf of Wall Street, and that's you know for many actors, that's like what you're building to for a 50 year career to get on a set with Marty crazy. and Leo, yeah. etc. Crazy. <laughs> is that, so is there is there any imposter syndrome those first few days? Oh, I have imposter syndrome in every every job. That's never gone away, ever. So what's the coping me mechanism when you're just in a scene with Leo and Marty on this kind of thing that you know is just like as, to as top-notch as it's going to get in terms of material? How I mean, do you get through it? How do you rise to the occasion? I don't even remember, honestly. I do remember thinking I wish I'd, like, I was so scared. But I did that with once, too. I've truly done it with every job since. That was like, you know, blackout level nerves, every day, but I like somehow just did it. You're also, you're working with people who are, you know, I always felt on that movie that it, like everyone was like rolling up their sleeves and getting to work. Like it was a real, like, let's throw a, a bunch of stuff against the wall and see what happens. And it was such a joy to work on that movie. Um, but yeah, I wish I hadn't been quite so scared. <laughs> but I always feel that, you know, that's never gone away. Like. I feel on almost every job I do that I'm like the weakest link and I'm going to get fired and it doesn't go away till like I spend like the first half thinking that and then then I start to like be like oh well I guess I'm not going to fire well it's too late to fire me now <laughs> like I guess like what are you to do CGI I mean, me out like and then I start to like yeah struggle. and then and then it's over and I'm devastated. <laughs> well, if it's any consolation, I'm sure it won't surprise you to hear us. That's it's the common denominator in 90% of the people I respect in conversations with them. It's like, uh -huh. I, I don't trust the ones that are too comfortable, that that you always need an element of that. It keeps you sharp. It keeps you just I like, make, right? <laughs> I guess, yeah. I just also- Maybe not good for your mental health, but good for us. For mental health, no. I remember, um, you know, that Amy Poehler, her autobiography, Yes, Please, mm -hmm. she said this, this thing in there, which I always have like really held on to, where she's like, acting is so embarrassing. And there is like a huge part of it where you're like, you're putting yourself out there in such a big way. And like, you have no idea. It's a new group of people every time. Like you're perpetually, it's like the first day of school where you don't know where the bathrooms are. And it's like a different character. It, it, yeah, it's, it's the best. And also... Yeah, at first I'm always, I mean, my, my friends hear about it. I call my friends a lot. 
panicking on the ride home being like, I don't know what's wrong. I'm going to get fired. And they're like, and they're very, yeah, we've heard it 10 times before. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> they're really lovely about it. Yeah. So, so now's as good a time as any, like you mentioned, uh, I asked you for a comfort movie. It sounds like you wrestled with this. I appreciate that because yes, it's impossible to choose one movie that's going to define you. Don't worry, Kristen, this doesn't define you, but it defines an aspect of you. <laughs> so what did you choose? Yeah. Give me your thought process. Um, it out there. I chose Kill Bill, um, volume one, but I also think of volume two, I think of it as a singular piece, even though I know that they're two separate films and, you know, but I do, I think of it as like Kill Bill. Um, I sort of narrowed it down to Kill Bill and Step Brothers to give you an idea of like, <laughs> those are, I think, the two movies I've seen the most in my life. Nice. Um, and I would say that it's like, as I thought about that, I was like, oh, that actually makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I love both of those things. I, you need both those. You need a Kill Bill and you need a Step Brothers. Um, it's like so, a yeah, yeah, they, yeah. That, that's the dichotomy. I get it totally. Yeah. And those both would qualify for me. So, so where and when and how did Kill Bill hit you? Um, Kill Bill hit me. So I saw the first Kill Bill. I think I had just moved to New York, so I was like freshly eighteen. I think I moved to I moved to New York like a week after my eighteenth birthday. And it was one of my first experiences in watching a movie that I like left the movie having changed. Like my molecules changed. Like I had never seen anything like that. And I remember um, Urban Outfitters was selling the like yellow Onitsuka Tiger shoes uh, that she wears in it. And I saved up like all this money to go buy them and they only had them, I'm a size seven and they had them only in a size six. And I wore size six, like very uncomfortably walking to class every day, like really hurting myself actually. <laughs> because I was like, I needed to like channel her. I like needed to channel her at all times. Like I just, that movie, I, I thought a lot about that movie too. When I saw Wonder Woman in theaters, I saw it with a group of girlfriends and there was all these little girls there and I cried the entire time. I couldn't believe it. I was like watching the little girls and I was like, you better you look back on this and you're gonna remember when you saw Wonder Woman. Like I was a mess. And it kind of hit me in that moment that Kill Bill was my Wonder Woman. Yeah. Like I was 18. I, you know, was on my own for the first time and I watched this, the most incredible, like, all the different elements of that film and it, and it never there is like never every breath of it is perfect there's like never a dull moment the the women the fight sequences like it i just it blew my mind i wish i could be more eloquent about no, it no 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 i i get it well it's it's a tough one to summarize because it's like it's it's a bunch of different things kind of uh, on top of each other like we've been so used to Tarantino as this like brilliant wordsmith right this like amazing writer and part of the brilliance and amazing part of that film is like then suddenly he's like he puts his mind to it and be decides to become like this insane action movie yes. director and then, a very twisted heart like I think what also you know hit me so hard in that movie is like first of all her performance in it is so I know like it's celebrated. I don't think it's quite celebrated enough to, because to be to be like the beating heart of that while doing those action sequences, like I think in volume two, I think of the scene where she turns the corner with the gun thinking she's going to assassinate him and it's her daughter. And she goes bang. And like Uma Thurman's reaction, every time I see it, it knocks the wind out of me. Yeah. Um, and even her last confrontation with Bill, like when they're both 
crying and they know they have to say goodbye to each other and she's just murdered him. It, I don't know, I, it's so, the scene with Vivica Fox, like the two of them after all this time, I mean, it's just, each scene is not only like a cinematic, like masterpiece of like action and style and whatever, but it like, it's gutting. And it's so grounded in this like, in this woman's rage and anger and hurt and these friendships and the, it, it just like, I, it blew me away. So you, you think of it as, I never watched it in one fell swoop. I mean, I think, I do think of them, I think of them obviously, uh, they were intended to be one film. Yeah. It, it became unwieldy. He decided and, um, to cut it into two. I, I, when I was thinking about it last night, when I heard you had selected this, I think if I, if I had to choose, I actually think I prefer the second half. And maybe that's because I think of, I also love David Carradine so much <laughs> as Bill. He's just mesmerized. Their first oh, like great. extended scene in the beginning of part two in black and white, like outside the church. Yeah. Gorgeous. I Amazing. I know. Um, I also think of, do you know this? I don't know. I always think about, I always like these like trivia kind of like casting things that Warren Beatty was supposed to be Bill, that Quentin had that. That, wrote it for that, Warren Beatty. Fascinating. It's fascinating that I, that would not have. Maybe not. Would yeah. have been, it wouldn't have been what it is. It would yeah. have been a different thing. Yes. It would yes, have been yes. Very different thing. Yeah. So for you, you mentioned a couple of the scenes. Um, is there, is there one scene that jumps out to you as the one that resonates most with you when you think of your favorite? I mean, the, God, there's so, there's actually so many. And I was thinking about this today. You know, the scene in the snow with Oranishi. Yeah. Is End like, of part one, yeah. Is not possible. All the stuff <laughs> Go-Go and the Crazy 88s, like, that, that is, that sequence is insane. And like, I, now also, like, I think about when I saw it in 18, now that I know, like, what it takes to make, like, a scene like that, like, I was, I'm like, they must have been there for eight months doing that scene, like how, like it's, there's so many cuts, there's so many, it's so, so good. Um, obviously the scene with Vivica after school. So where do you stand? He, they've I'm talked sorry. about, Quentin's talked about going to, to do a sequel about the, know, uh, the daughter. Vivica's daughter. Yeah, exactly. That's like brilliant. I think it's brilliant. You want to see it? So smart. I would love to see that. Um, also, I think it's in two when she finds out she's pregnant and she's in the hotel room with the other assassin. And she's like, I just found out I'm pregnant. And she's like, show me the test or whatever. And then she's like, congratulations. Like, it's, <laughs> it's just so, um, and then the scene with her meeting her daughter for the first time. Yeah. I, I know I'm, I'm not, um, I mean, all the Hattori Hansel, like, I can't kind of, I kind of can't choose. Have you, have you, so have you done anything remotely in that kind of action genre? Have you? I've been, I, I don't know if this is like kosher to say, I've been like close on a couple. Well, there was a report, I know Birds of Prey, right, was yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah, and like a couple others, and um, I've been like close to it, but like <laughs> quite stuck the landing. And like, I very much am interested in that. In fact, it, one of the things that I really like about, and I'm not trying to be like, and now onto Made for Love, but like <laughs> there's elements of Made for Love that, um, always struck me as that, that sort of like struck a heartstring chord if that's a phrase in me because I was like it's as if um it was Kill Bill but she wasn't good at it <laughs> <laughs> I like that yes like there's I see that. Yeah. her escaping where she's like you want her to be like ching, 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 like all this stuff but she doesn't know and so she's just like ah, and then like hysterical yeah running and falling and like I studied a lot of Kill Bill for that and then really tried to be like accept that she has no skills <laughs> so 
that's hopefully where maybe stepbrothers comes into it or something. Amazing. I don't know. They're like fun? kids by the skin of her teeth. But no, I would, I would, oh, I would love to. Oh, please, yeah. someone let me do one. You're, well, it's going to happen sooner or later. I mean, how many, how many of those kind of, I mean, it's a prerequisite for any actor now. You must have done your share of the superhero auditions at this point. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have. <laughs> Are they, do they take a, a particular something out of you as an actor to kind of like suck it up and just sort of like. Oh, no, because I, I love, I, like each time I feel like, I feel like I'm, um, like the Kristen Wiig surprises character when I go in and for those like tests where I'm like, they're gonna put a jet pack on us and we're gonna wear it and I'm gonna have a big gun. Like I like can't, like there's no, I find it to be so cool. Maybe that's why I haven't gotten any of them. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, they're gonna give us a sword. They're gonna let us swing it. Like I just like freak out. <laughs> wow. You're really so maybe I have to go in there and be like, as if I don't care or something. Yeah, throw it away. No, I care greatly. I think it's so cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you, yeah, so you mentioned Made for Love. I've very much enjoyed it. I think I've seen the first four episodes of this new series for HBO Max. I would imagine uh, any actor relishes uh, an entrance uh, coming out of the ground screaming fuck to the, to the world. It reminded yep. me a little bit of um, um, John Goodman raising Arizona coming out of the earth. Do you remember that? Oh, God, that's right. Um, but 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 but, to, but talk to me a little bit about so this one as from what I gather kind of built around you you're the first one cast in first this cast. so um, yeah is that a different experience is that better is that a better kind of alternative to be the the person that it's built around as opposed to being the the person they plug in to kind of accentuate other people or what um, no I didn't I I mean I found it to be sort of like I I got to see sort of the um. I got to see it change a lot more. Like I signed on very early and I'd read, I don't know, five or six scripts. And then it started to, I like saw the sort of process of them like finding it and finding it. And I don't know, it, it didn't feel, it felt different, but not in a way that was like here or there. Got um, I think maybe I put a lot of pressure on myself because of that, certainly. Um, where I was like, oh, you know, if you thought my imposter syndrome was bad before I was like, <laughs> you can't you can't fuck this up and I you know I don't know but uh yeah I I know it still opens with it but the the script that I originally read opened with just the the desert Got it. Um, and I just never read anything like that and I remember reading those first couple pages and I was like what in the Sam hell is this <laughs> and then the more I read I I just I know this sounds like a very uh like you know, regular answer or something, but like, I just hadn't read anything like it. And I just, I had no idea where it was going. And I thought that it was, it really moved me, like, especially, you know, the relationship between my character and Ray. Um, I'd never seen a relationship like that. Uh, Ray Romano, world, who of course like, plays, plays your dad in the show yes, and is I'm, amazing. He, he, I feel like we need to stop being surprised that Ray Romano is a great actor because he continues to kind of keep doing it. I, I, I don't know why, yeah, and also like, even if all you've ever seen is Everybody Loves Raymond, like Everybody Loves Raymond goes to some real deep places. Like I grew up on that show, I love that show. Um, you know, that's a show that I will watch whenever it's on. It's perfect, it'll yeah. be so good. That cast is so good. Um, it's so beautifully written, he's incredible. And you've got, so it's you, uh, another actor I, I always adore. He's always is just like jumps out is Billy Magnuson. Oh. Um, I know you guys knew each other before this. We met, yeah. 
we did a um, we did a movie together ten years ago, indie movie where we played a married couple. But you know, we like live in a trailer park, and I, I had like platform flip flops, and I'd be like, "Get off my get off my lawn!" And basically, like we started, like we both were like unhinged because they were like, "Yeah, open it up," and we were like. You don't know what you asked. You don't know what you just asked for. <laughs> and then as the shoot went on, we were basically asked to move like deeper and deeper and deeper into the background of every shot. Oh no. And then I think I was almost entirely cut out. That's and amazing. He, he remained somewhat in there, but like there was like a whole party scene where <sighs> we go to this fancy party. I think a character played by Alexis Bledel at like her mansion or something. And they were like there with everyone. And, and we're like, you know, everyone's like being like, snooty and I'm I'm putting snacks into my handbag and we just went from you know we we took the note and we ran with it <laughs> and like I remember very succinctly that day of them being like and Chris and Billy could you take I don't know maybe like 10 steps back and then if you go to your left keep going keep going keep going a little bit further okay cool and like we essentially were like and they were like, not, not, not even metaphorically, literally <laughs> asked to leave the frame. Like, they just were like, you are not, we don't <laughs> well, want this. this is karmic payback. Not only are you in the frame, you're in the center of the frame. You've moved on up from the trailer park to the hub, to this kind of like highfalutin yeah. uh, life. Sadly, the marriage itself, yeah. not so great. But, but it, it must be, it, that must make, hopefully, the experience of like depicting this really toxic, sad oh, relationship, okay. all the... Yeah. A little bit, make it go down a little bit more easy with someone you're so comfortable with. We're so comfortable together. You know, and we did Black Mirror together too. And right. um, when I was doing once, he was doing a play next door. And so we'd see each other in intermission. And um, oh yeah, and he's a theater kid too. And so is Noma. Um, and, and Dan comes from like, you know, live performance background. And I feel like, and, and Ray comes from stand-up. And I feel like there's sometimes something with people who, you know, I don't know, started that way where everyone's like really game. Sometimes I think that like every film and TV uh, I watch now has greater resonance for whatever reason because of what we've all experienced the last year. But maybe that's not true. Maybe it's just that there are certain projects. And and again, this one I think, like Palm Springs in a weird way, does have some interesting new yeah um, aspects it takes on. Whether you know, it's this is this couple that's kind of like isolated, <laughs> like and we've all been kind of some, some. Sadly, I like my my wife a lot, but some people maybe are stuck with people. Yeah. I'm mean, not so happy to be with in the last absolutely. year. Absolutely. I mean, you know, she's not allowed to leave for 10 years. Like that scene in the desert is the first time she's seen like the sun and smelled the air. And, um, you know, I think also, I mean, you could, I, I have my own theories for like what the chip could represent if you want to get like metaphorical about it, but also, you know, our own relationships to technology and our yep. own sort of um, being unable to escape it. Um, but there, I, yeah, I like that there's a reckoning for her, that she's yeah. got to like, and I, I'm glad you've seen through the end of episode four, because I feel like that's the, when they start to be like, let's go back in time and like see yep. what happened here. And I, um, I love that. It, it, and it is definitely unpredictable and keeps you kind of like guessing. And yeah, I think let's, by the, the end of episode one, you're like, oh wait, there's Ray Romano with his sex doll partner. This isn't, this is show is going to take some chances and, and exactly. some swerves. I'm, I'm yeah. in. I know. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I really tried to, um, uh, yeah, like a couple, like some, my parents and um, some of my parents' friends too. I've been like, so just so you know. Right. <laughs> 
first episode's gonna be wild. <laughs> What, what, do, what does the Milioti family uh, enjoy most about your career? Is there a project or, or something they've geeked out about the most? The, the parents, the uncles, the aunts, what do they, what do they really love about what oh, you've done? They all loved Palm Springs. They all loved once. Enormously. Yeah. I come from a big music family. Um, really, really big. Like, you know, music playing at all times. And I'm like that too. From the second I wake up, I have like a Sonos playlist and I like turn off my alarm and then I hit play and like, I, that's the sort of house I grew up in too. And I, I would say that that one was pretty, pretty, a, a, a big, a big favorite. How'd sure. they like the dark, disturbing world of Black Mirror? The Actually, they loved that. Really? I loved that. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they what happened to all the talk of potential spinoffs for Callister? We'll see. I don't know. I would love that. I mean... I would was did anything feel ever feel like it was actually gaining momentum involving your character that we'd uh, re revisit or was it all sort of conjecture and I mean I know I've put it out there um you know I worship Charlie and Annabelle enormously and I've put it out there that like if they ever decided to do that even if I have a walker with tennis balls on it I will <laughs> okay, get back in that uniform yeah wander my rickety ass down the hall I don't know <laughs> well every time you and, and Jesse Plemons have been in a project together it's worked out two for two I guess between Fargo and it's so wild and it, and it was such a pleasure to work with him on Black Mirror because I think we only had one scene in Fargo I spent so much of Fargo by myself and then, yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to revisit yeah. that, that season, if only because when I was looking at it last night, I was like, that cast of that season in particular? Crazy. Bananas. It's crazy, yeah. It was a great group. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, I got to film a lot with Patrick, who I absolutely- I love Patrick Wilson. He's, he's yeah, the so sweetest, kind. yeah. And he's so kind. Everyone in that group was so kind. Um, and then Nick Offerman, who, like, you know, I already worshipped at his altar, but then to be able to do what our characters do in, in that one episode in particular, where it's like us in the house. Um, oh, that show was great. So so where are you at? You're back, you're back in New York physically, but where are you at uh, work-wise, like mental health-wise? We're coming, we're starting- we're, we're, Mental health-wise. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're starting. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm, I'm allowing myself to feel a little bit more optimistic about life yes. and oh. you know, uh, escaping our, our little pods. Um, I don't yeah. know if you've been working much in the, in the last year or. Well, we finished Made for Love in the pandemic. We got oh, shut down halfway through. That was, that was wild. I mean, we. Um, oh, I wish it's the scene comes in a later episode. One day I'll tell. There, I, I just did ADR for the scene that was like me and Ray being on set, being like, "Are we gonna get shut down? Like, what is?" And everyone was like, I don't think so. And then like an hour later, they were like, you got to go home. Yeah. We'll <laughs> be back in a week. Don't worry. Oh, that's it. Everyone was like, we'll see you in two weeks. This is just two weeks to like let everybody get COVID out of their system. And like, we should be fine. <laughs> um, and yeah, then we, we started again, I think um, seven months later. Crazy. Um, and so we finished. So I shot, we shot for eight or nine weeks in the fall. And I've shot little things here and there that have been like a day here, a day there, just on like, some like for lack of a better term zany <laughs> stuff that like i've just had like a real ball um i actually worked i uh, shot with charlie and annabelle although virtually for this they did that uh Death oh yeah funny and so i that was like a mini reunion but like not able to see each other in person which was sad yeah and i'm sure you're wondering as i do as a new yorker um as a fan of theater what we're going to see in the next in six months what it's going to look like here although i am it does feel very hopeful. First of all, I will never not go see a play again. Like there were so many times where I was like, oh yeah, yeah, do I really want to like, oh, I'm tired. Right, I know. All day or like, 
I gotta get on the train. I gotta go. It's like three hours, a three hour drama. I don't know. Like I never again in my life. Right. It is my greatest joy is, is seeing plays, even if they don't work, even if they just like being a part of like a holy communion in a dark space concert, same thing. And I see yeah. a lot of concerts. I can't wait to, to bitch and moan about all the things that oh. I used to bitch and moan about to be like at, at the corner of like the party where I, I know like two people and I'm like, when can't we leave? What's, I, I'm, why I am I here? What, I, oh my God. I think of all the like times I've gone out with friends after a Broadway show to, you know, West Bank. Which is no, like, I don't actually. Yeah. West Bank is this like, it's like a theater bar on 42nd and 9th. At the okay. It's, or Joe Allen. Or sure. I, Oh my God, I hope Joe Allen um, comes back. Uh, like we're going to Joe Allen and getting a martini and being like, I don't know. I thought that one number was crazy. <laughs> and feeling like, just like, yeah, we're, we're New Yorkers. Like, look at us. We went to Broadway, we're having a martini. Like it felt like what I would dream about when I was a kid. And I'd be like, I'm gonna move to New York. I'm gonna be an actor. I'm gonna see plays. I'm gonna like, you know, when me and my actor friends are like, go and like, it, it just, yeah, it, it was magical. Um, I'm gonna get back there, Kristen. We're getting there. I mean, Shakespeare in the Park is coming back. There's little pop-ups coming up. Yeah. David Byrne is doing a show at the Armory. Oh, um, amazing. Yeah, yeah I, I'm still eyeing. I, I don't know. I, I still haven't been to a movie in over a year, but I'm getting my second shot tomorrow. So I'm starting to eye my first theatrical yeah. experience. I don't know what, what the lucky... I think that's going to happen sooner than we... I, I know, I feel like we are reopening at such a breakneck speed. It's a little actually like... I don't feel like my body has quite caught up to it where I've been like, oh, did you not know that I've been like a mollusk for the last, like, you know, year? Like just basically like sitting in my, my own like sweatpants. I know. Sitting. I don't you know. You need to relearn how to talk to human beings out, out in, the, in the wild. But I do, but it is also thrilling. Yeah. Begin to see that for sure. These are good problems to have. They're great problems. Um, well, I look forward to seeing you out in the wild, whether it's in a Sundance swag suite or at Joe Allen's or just on the streets of New York. Um, congratulations on Made for Love. Everybody should check it out. It's on HBO Max. Also, you can check out Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2, also on HBO Max. You are all about the HBO Max. Um, it's been good to chat today, Kristen. Good to catch up. Thank you so much for having me. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) 